Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast powered by CantonRep.com. I'm repository sports writer Cliff Hickman, and I'm here with my co-host, Peter Holland, Jr. Peter, how are you doing this week? What's up, what's up? I'm doing great, Cliff. How are you doing? Oh, it's 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 going. It's week two of the high school football season. It couldn't be more excited. We're coming off a great first week of games, and we're looking forward to another just really fantastic week, too. And I know, Peter, you got a look at McKinley last week. We're going to start with them because you're going to get another look at McKinley. You're going on the road to cover the Bulldogs against Austin Town Fitch. Yeah, that's that's going to be fun. Um, the men are last week, now I'm going to Austin Town. That's going to be very exciting. Um, hopefully we see a, a better McKinley team than I saw last week because um, they were competitive. Against, against Menor, things were going well, but, um, they just keep shooting themselves in the foot with all the penalties that really hurt them. I believe it was what, 12 penalties they allowed the whole entire game. You're not gonna win that, you're not gonna win games like that when you're going against a well-coached team like Menor or Fitch coming up. So, that was just some of the, and the and the two turnovers um in the beginning that really hurt them too. Um so hopefully that um Antonio Hall got that cleaned up because they got another tough road ahead of them. Yeah, you mentioned some of the things that uh, didn't quite uh, work out as hoped for McKinley last week, but there were some bright spots. They piled up 362 yards of offense and 18 first downs. That's uh, usually enough to keep you in a game, if not win it outright. Yeah. Um, the offense was moving well, um, especially with the run game. I, they put out, of what, about 200 yards on the ground. They were they were moving the ball well. That's probably one of the brighter spots because they really got some pretty good running backs. Um, Trey and Mackey is one of them. Um, so, so at least there's a positive look of that. Um, they can move the they can move the chains and move tempo. Um, Keaton Rody looked good. He looked okay. Um, I just think that it was kind of he has his he did has his um, near misses here and there, but all around he was okay. He managed. He read the ball well. I just think there was a lot of plays that were taken back because of the penalties. Because there was a lot of big big plays that he made that were called back. And that is just one of those frustrating parts about going back to what I said earlier, that you can't allow that to give up that many penalties, especially on offense, if you're going to be a well-coached team like Fitch. That seems to be the thing to keep an eye on this week, if McKinley is able to clean up those penalties. The first couple games can be tough in that area for teams as they kind of feel their way into the season. You might have some new guys and new positions. And those things uh, tend to get better as as you go further in. Sure, sure. It happens. You know, the only thing you can just do is just um, reset and hope, hopefully that um, they they um, they cut down on the penalties to less than a half. So we'll see what happens. Um, Fitch is 
Pitt is a really good team. I was just looking at some of the players that they got, and they got a lot of D1 guys more than Menners. Um, probably the guy that I would probably look out for is number 23, Brian Robinson, who's already had 31 offers, and he's only a junior. Um, so I think he's getting looked at as an outside linebacker, but he also plays tight end. They got a DB named Cam Smith, who's an Iowa State commit. He's probably might go one-on-one against Sincere McNeil, likely. They got a good running game as well. With They got a one-two punch in DJ Williams and Jamel James. Um, so they got guys all around. So, so they're, so McKinney, they're going to be on their toes and they're going to have to be prepared to go against a really good Austin Town team. That'll be one of the most watched games in the area as far as people looking for results this weekend, Peter. And I'm going to be heading on the road myself. I'm headed over to Canal Fulton where the Marlington Dukes are going to be taking on Northwest. It's a big game for both teams. Northwest coming off a really impressive week one win over Norton. Uh, Marlington fell short to Coventry on the road in their opener. Uh, the Dukes head coach Phil Morrow still looking for his 200th win. Turnovers really hurt Marlington last week and, and some missed assignments and things. And, uh, coach, coach Morrow was, uh, pretty emphatic that that's what the focus is this week is to clean up the assignments. They had a ton of new starters and a lot of new positions. A uh, guy to watch out for for Marlington is running back Caden McFarland. They really like how he performed. He had two rushing touchdowns last week. Also played a really good game at linebacker. I know they were really happy with him. And uh, they have some other players. I know Bo Himmelheber forced some turnovers. Jaden Proctor actually caught two touchdown passes for Marlington and also had an interception on defense. There were bright spots and there were things that uh, didn't quite go well for them. Now, when you take a look at Northwest, you've got uh, head coach John DeMarco, very familiar with them when he was the head coach at Louisville in the old NBC. He's got a six and three record against them lifetime. Uh, he beat Marlington last year at Northwest 20 to 13. The thing to keep an eye on this week is sophomore Chase Badger is getting the start at quarterback. They brought him in after halftime and he threw two touchdowns to Caden Beichler. That's a six foot four receiver, really big target. They felt like he performed well and had some momentum. So they're going to go with him at that spot this week. And uh, getting the running game on track, that's always something that uh, is going to be a big thing for Northwest, especially with the line they have. I've got a story coming up, Peter, on Isaac LaFay. He is a lineman, a kicker, but with a ton of different interests. This is a really good story, and I, I really enjoyed uh, it. Yeah, he is. Uh, he said he played soccer for six years before he started playing football in the uh, sixth grade in middle school. So that's that's where the kicking ability comes from. I was curious about I was curious about that when I was just when I was just doing my rankings on the specialists I was just looking at Isaac Lafay was like okay he got a pretty good leg on him so I'm kind of curious to know more about him I didn't know he had a soccer background so that I'm definitely looking forward to reading that yeah he has a background in a lot of things I was uh, not aware of he said all of them kind of help him with football he's obviously a thrower for the track and field team. 
he feels like learning the motion for the discus has really helped his fluidity along the line on uh, both sides of the ball. He also plays basketball. Uh, an interesting tidbit I found out is he's also active in the school theater productions. He's been in a few plays outside of, outside of athletics, and he just has a jam-packed schedule. So that's a really interesting player, and he played well on both sides of the ball. Last week on defense, though, he's a defensive end. He had nine tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. So that's another guy you're going to want to keep an eye on. Northwest defensive line as a whole is really, really good. Wow. Being Isaac LaFay, uh, athlete and a thespian. There's your headline. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, like I said, it's a, it's, he seems like a really great kid, great personality. And a, it's a story I think you're going to find interesting when that uh, hits the web this week. And we've got some other big games this week, Peter. How about Maple Heights at Lake, the Blue Streaks? I got a good look at them last week. Mm-hmm. I really, really like both of their quarterbacks, Kale Jarvis and Will Butler the second. Both of them complement each other really well. They move in and out. William Butler is every bit of six foot three and can really run well with the ball. You can't sleep on his throwing, though. He made some really nice throws. Kale Jarvis uh, really effective on the slant routes. And with the running of Matt Solberger, I noticed they can really make teams pack it in on the line, and that opens up those shots on the outside, especially for Kale Jarvis and the receivers, because what happened is the Lake receiver beat the Alliance uh, press corner and man-to-man and was pretty much gone after that, so Lake is a, a really fun team to watch. Ton of talent everywhere. I'm excited to see how they do this week, Peter. I did see a video of Solberger when he did he hurdled a guy like on the backfield. I don't know if you saw that too. Oh yes, he did. Uh, they, there was a penalty on that play. I don't think it was uh, the hurdle itself, which there was some debate about whether it was legal or not at the time. I think a personal foul face mask got called on that. But that was a memorable moment. He's a great athlete, and uh, he can make some things happen, that's for sure. I see, I see. And um, my question for you, um, we mentioned about the two quarterbacks uh, that are highly complement each other. Um, we, we're very critical when it comes to this the two-quarterback system play. Um, sometimes it can work, but then after some time, there's going to be some – there's going to be, I don't know how I can put a word to it, that there could be some downside to it, just rotating QBs. Um, we kind of saw a glimpse of that when McKinley was rotating two QBs. Um, do you think that, that this is a, this could be manageable for Lake? Absolutely. I get the impression that this is, uh, this is going to work out really well for them. I talked to both guys after the game. They're both uh, really happy and supportive of each other. I uh, talked to Coach DeGeorge after the game, and he said starting two quarterbacks was not the plan this year, but he said both performed so well that they had they, they kind of felt like they were forced into letting both of them have a shot out there. And it's not, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Last year, McKinley, I saw Marion Williams and, 
Keaton Rohde had a really effective platoon, I felt like. I, I don't feel like that really hurt McKinley. And in fact, it can make things very difficult for opposing teams to prepare for. I mm-hmm. talked to um, Alliance's head coach, Tim Goodman, after the game, and he said flat out, it's hard enough to prepare for one quarterback of that caliber, let alone two. It kind of makes for some extra planning. So yes, there, there are some, there's pluses and minuses for sure. It, it's always hard when a guy, there's going to come a point where one of them's going to have a hot hand after a drive and have a really impressive drive and the other player is going to be scheduled to come in. And there's probably always that temptation to just, you know, stick with the hot hand. But I really feel like this is, it's not going to be an issue. And I think it's going to be pretty effective for late this year. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Okay, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, Lake may had an impressive win over Alliance. Um, some might not come to a surprise, but Lake is really good. Um, and they got athletes all around. So let's see if they can continue to pick up that momentum and uh, for Alliance. Um, hopefully they could bounce back after um that tough loss over uh over Lake. Yeah, they Alliance is going to Niles McKinley this week. The thing that stood out for me for Alliance, Brendan Zerberg is the real deal. He nearly ran for 100 yards. He was 20 of 23 passing. There was one interception, but that was really late in the game and kind of just a Hail Mary type toss up. So, you know, I mean, he checked every box you would want to see. The area where they, they had some issues is Lake's line was very big and very physical and they were giving up some size and it was very hard for them to run the football. And on the defensive line, they had a heck of a time uh, stopping Solberger. Like I said, it led to them stacking some extra people in the box. So that's an area to uh, keep an eye on this week, how the offensive line responds. Obviously they'd like to get uh, Caden Davis going a little better this week as they travel to Niles. Absolutely, absolutely. If you can get if you can get Caden going, then that's just going to be a major boost for the Alliance offense. So you already got going with you're good when you're a more balanced team, and you have that with Zerba, but having Caden just just moving the chains, pounding, um, getting him going, that just will be uh make bonus for the Lions offense just so um, they could turn it around early. Yeah, I don't know how many Lions Alliance is going to encounter like Lakes. That Lake offensive and defensive line is really, really good. I was really impressed with them. Um, another game to keep an eye on, I've got two games this weekend. I'm going to Perry against Clarkson North. They're coming all the way down from Ontario, Canada. That's going to be 2 p.m. Saturday at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. That is part of the two-day Academy Freedom Bowl. This is uh, shaping up to be a really interesting game, Peter. Absolutely. Uh, also knowing about Clarkson North a little bit more after talking to uh, their head coach, Larry um, Larry Judanis is his name, I believe. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. But... Uh, you, if you look at um, Clarkson North's schedule, they are facing a lot of. They've been facing a lot of a hard team this year. Uh, first, they they're coming off a loss against uh, 
um, really good Hoban team, of course. Um, then you got Perry, who's coming off an impressive victory over Central Catholic. And later down the road, they got, they, I believe they got St. Edwards too on their schedule, if I'm corrected. Last time I checked the schedule. So they're, they're going hard with the Ohio team. And that's something I'm going to be working on the story about too. So stay tuned for the, um, the can repository readers to go more deeper, uh, why, why Ohio and why can't it? Um, he, knowing that with Carson North, they go, they always face against travel teams across the state. Um, they always, they always face teams like more, mostly private school teams like, uh, the IMG Academy to, um, um, teams like from, Pennsylvania, all over the, all over the place, just so they, just so they can let people know that, hey, we got some, we got some athletes in Canada too. And they have, they got a few, um, prospects as well. I think they got one player who's committed to Virginia Tech and he's an edge rusher, the guys to look out for. So, um, Perry is definitely going to have, uh, definitely going to have to be prepared. Um, this will definitely be a big test for them knowing that this is probably a good way. I don't know if this will be a wrong, uh, political correct to say, but this could be a way of saying that this could make Perry great again if they can be against a team like Carson North. Yeah, Perry is a very good team. I will say this. We've seen Canadian teams come down here before. None of this caliber, none of this quality. You're talking about they, they fell to Hoban last week, but they did score 20 points against them. They lost by 24. Like you said, there's, uh, talent on there. Um, I think it's going to be a really good game. Now, the thing to watch for them is the rule change coming down to Ohio. There's one last guy on the field from Canadian football. And also, have they seen much of, of a system like Perry's, the wing tee for, uh, people that aren't used to it can be pretty confusing, especially if you're never prepared for it or don't prepare for it very often. So I think this is going to be a, a really interesting game. I, I can't wait to check it out. DeAndre Church, I mentioned it before, really great running back. And, yeah, I think this is going to be a really exciting game. It, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, the Freedom Bowl as a whole Always exciting to see games inside of Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. And for the kids, uh, some of them once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, to play at the Hall of Fame, especially if you're coming down from Canada. So that's uh, that's some stuff to keep an eye on there, Peter. It's their first, first appearance in Canton as well. So that makes it so exciting. And like I said, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Not many people can say they've been to the birth of football and let alone playing in the stadium where just wasn't that long ago. We had the hall of fame game. So that, that was have to mean something for some of the young guys who have striving of one day playing, being inducted in the hall of fame one day. All right. And we're going to touch on a, a couple more big games here quickly. Maslin at Glen Oak Maslin had a had a good showing last week against Cincinnati Muller. The Tigers fell forty nine to thirty one on opening night, but they were able to move the ball against a Muller team that was just absolutely stacked with talent. Glen Oak coming in off a fifty one twenty four win at Shaker Heights. 
Uh, Glen Oak looking for its first two and zero start since 2012. Peter, this is this is a big opportunity for them and a, a big spotlight game for them. Yeah, uh, you look just looking at it from both perspectives. Um, first off, with Maslin, I learned a lot, a little bit of that Maslin team. That this is a team that is not gonna go down easily. Uh, we mentioned about the final score. They were down 36 to 10 in the third quarter. And somehow, some way, they still managed to end the game losing by two possessions. That says, that says a lot for this masculine team that they're not going to go down easily and they have, they're going to fight until the end and go down swinging. So, throwing it, so this will, Definitely see where where they can build off of that going forward, and on, at least and then on the Glen Oak side, I I really want to see how how um, the Burke brothers are going to handle against this masculine defense. Uh, see how they perform. Both what Avion and Avante was 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 their nickname Cookies and Milk or some at least that's what the title was when Josh wrote that story. Uh, so you're correct. <laughs> I wish Joshua will come here and talk a little more about the nickname. I think that's pretty intriguing. But um, yeah, uh, I want to see how the Masculine team going against a really strong run team, running attack against Glen Oak. And a couple more big federal league games. We're going to wrap up with Jackson and Mayfield. The Polar Bears were successful in Jay Roar's debut as head coach. They defeated. Akron East last week, 33 to 27. Uh, Mayfield coming down after a tough year last year. They were two and eight, but it's a team that has traditionally been very good. It's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. Yeah. We'll, we'll see about what happens. Uh, we want to, um, things could change after one year. So. You don't want to overestimate teams that just because they had a, a a losing record, but things could change. But with Jackson, um, I think I think we probably will see a little more about them as they continue to develop with um, new new chump of guys. So we'll see, man. Um, it looks like they just based on from their performance, it looks like they still haven't missed a beat, even with the new guys that they had. And uh, another big game, Hoover going taken to the road and traveling to Mansfield. I covered that game last year. It was a great game. Mansfield won that one, 21-17. Mansfield has a lot of really great athletes. You know, you're talking about running back Ricky Mills. He was the first team All-Ohio Cardinal Conference last season. Really great player. You also have another great running back and Zion Brown. Uh, some really great athletes there. Uh, Hoover is uh, coming into this on an upswing after winning their opening game. Mason Ashby had two kickoff returns for 163 yards last week. One of those was a 99-yard touchdown. And he also caught two of uh, Mason Durland's three touchdown passes last week. So 
He definitely uh, put himself on the radar with that performance, Peter. Talk about putting on a show with Mason Ashby. The man accounted 235 all-purpose yards. That is outstanding, astounding. So you're going to need a playmaker like that if you're going to go against a, a, a high-power Mansfield team. And we'll see how they could, um, how they will contain a playmaker like that. I think we might have a star born in Stark County in Mason Ashby. Yes, and that's a name that's obviously uh, very familiar to the football fans over in uh, North Canton. Connor Ashby, a, a standout there for many years. I remember seeing him play. So uh, it's not exactly an entirely uh, huge surprise that an Ashby is coming in and just putting on an absolute show over there in North Canton. Of course, you see, you've seen it both. So I only can see it just from one side, and that's the little brother. I guess we can just look at that. All right, Peter, that is our preview for week two. There's a, a lot of great other games, uh, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this show. We're also going to try to be back this week. Uh, from what I understand, on Friday night, after everything's done, to wrap things up, uh, we'll try to get some guests in here and uh, have some fun after what should be another exciting week of high school football. Any closing thoughts from you, Peter? Um, I got to give one shout out to another team that we didn't we didn't get a chance to mention. How about Tesla going to double overtime against Connaughton? I mean, we can't. We want. We don't want to let them out of the cold. Though, after going to a thrilling overtime, winning by one point, that's that's something that you can build on when you, I'm going to this week when they're playing Dalton. So that's probably another team we should probably be on the lookout for. Other than that, um, looking forward to Friday night at Austin Town. That's my. That's where I will be. Hopefully, that will be a good one, along with other, all the. Um, games coming up this Friday. Absolutely. Another team to keep an eye on that, that deserves some credit. How about the Fairless Falcons? A uh, little bit surprised it was 31-0 in that window for Sandy Valley. I thought Sandy Valley had a decent team back. Uh, Carson Colucci had a really great game for them. The Falcons are definitely a team to watch, so keep an eye on that game against Tusky Valley as well. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Friday Night Ohio podcast powered by CantonRep.com. This has been Cliff Hickman and Peter Holland Jr. from the Canton Repository, and we hope to talk to you guys soon.